Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss the latest Apple offerings hitting the tech world. Yes, I said Apple. Floating iPads, cheap iPhones from Apple. It's like Hades is frozen over. And of course, we will have Camera Corner with Wendy where we discuss sensors and how they gather light. So sit back, relax, plug in, because Hardware Addicts starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. So let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Now, we've put Wendy last because she has an amazing tech adventure, but we'll start with you, the least amazing tech event. I'm kidding. Michael, <laughs> wow. what have you been up wow. to? I mean, Ouch. fair enough. Probably is, actually, yes. Uh, what I was doing was, for some reason, I was looking into my backup setup and I was like, well, it could be better. It's terrible. So it could be better. And I started digging through long-term storage and researching it, and I found so many different topics and I had so many questions that I wanted to talk to you about it. And then I realized that maybe it could be its entire show because I wanted to talk about the values of comparison between hard drives and SSDs versus opticals and the different types of opticals, whether you get like a regular organic die versus inorganic die with the Blu-rays versus DVD. Plus also there's this new, uh, it's not new, I guess it's a few years new to me, M-Disc, which is a different, you can have different DVD types of the M-Disc and a Blu-ray type. And and it's supposed to be like durable for a thousand years. And also I found other things called three, two, one rule. And also it was kind of funny because I saw this one video where this guy was like, he said the rule and then he pretended that he invented it. I was like, uh, sure you did. And because <laughs> I found like so many other videos doing it too. Anyway, it, I just went off into like a rabbit hole of long-term storage and I have like probably a thousand questions. So, you know, probably not the best for, you know, an adventure topic section. So maybe it would be like by itself and like an hour discussion or something. I think it could be a whole episode and I think we'd have to break it up into multiple episodes, but it's definitely something we want to tackle. There are so many factors here. It makes me drool mm -hmm. just thinking about it. But yes, we will definitely... <laughs> cover some of this in future episodes. Yeah, I didn't even know anything about the like the depolarization of the magnetic field or whatever. And I also thought that was just a hardware thing. It turns out after I found out what it existed, I was like, oh, that must be what the hardware hard drives thing and the hard drive issue. And then all of a sudden I look, oh, SSDs can also do. Okay, well, this is actually one of the things I did notice that I thought was interesting. Admittedly, I did not get this on choice. It was someone handed it to me for a project and they never wanted it back or whatever. But it was one of those rugged hard drives where I thought it was just like silly where it just had like rubber around it. And then I found out that those drives are completely marketing nonsense. So you mean they actually I, are silly? Yeah, yeah, they are totally silly. Like they're worthless. They offer no ruggedness whatsoever. All they do is per, like they give you a false sense of security. They give you no actual security. And, and charge I you more that was, for it. Yes, actually, I think it's like like an extra like fifty percent markup just for the extra the the rubber that does nothing, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So I wanted to talk about like is there a, a way to have actual rugged drives and what? Yeah, that's an, another episode. 
But, I think that's a fantastic conversation because, you know, when Panasonic Toughbooks, when they had spinning drives inside of them, really the only difference with the hard drive itself was they would put a styrofoam or rubberized material around the drive, which, well, there was software pieces as well that would lock the drive when it detected that it was dropping or was about to have an impact, which would lock the spindle, which would help keep it protected. But that rubberized from a physical standpoint, hardware standpoint, was really the only addition it would have outside of your normal drive. Of course, they used a different drive too, but was the rubberized or foam that they would put around the drive itself. So, you know, it's not completely hogwash, but mostly. I think... I think it's hogwash on this particular type of drive that is promoted as rugged because the rubber is on the outside of the case. Yeah, it's probably not going to help too much. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that like what's on the inside because if you they say that if you open it, it'll just break some kind of mechanism or something. I don't know, but it seems it seems like a big marketing nonsense either way. But uh, Ryan, what are you up to? So this week I got my hands on a Synology 416. Now this is not a, I have a 216 SE Synology, which is very low powered. I think it only has like 512 megabytes of RAM. So the 416 is an older Synology still, but a much more upgraded version of the Synology NAS. And while I'm very happy with my free NAS blade server that I have, Synology just makes things so simple like FreeNAS for me was a complete learning experience to understand how storage really works and be able to customize and make things exactly as I want them where Synology is hey I bought a Synology I stick my drives in I open a web browser 10 seconds later everything's set up and ready to go and I have automatic backups going not literally 10 seconds but pretty darn close and yeah. that's why <laughs> routers are the same me. way yeah, it, it's incredible. And Synology has so many applications and things like email servers and web servers and things that are just kind of one-click installs. They do it so well. I love my Synology NAS for automatically backing up my machines on my network. And I love that their software is also, while it's proprietary, it's universal across operating systems. So whether you're backing up a Apple device, you're backing up a Linux device or a Windows device, you just install the software, you go through a couple GUI menus, do what you want to back up, you set your schedule, and you're done. It's so simplistic. So I'm really enjoying the 416. Now, I'd love to tell you I've done something fancy with it this week other than having this one just do backups like I have the 216 doing backups and why do I need three backup servers in my home? Don't ask that question. Same question my wife had, and I told her <clears throat> I would get back to her on that. But well, I mean, to be fair, that that perfectly fits with what the long term storage thing that I was talking about because you can ha never have too many backups. You can never oh. have too exactly, Michael. I'll put her on the phone with you later so you can <laughs> talk to her about perfect. That. I, I'll help out. So, Wendy, what we're all excited about is to get into. I'm rubbing my hands here. Um, get into your soft or hardware adventure this week because you've been building a PC and it's a beast. It is a beast. I am. So you know how giddy I got over the mouse? Get ready for it to be a thousand times worse. I can't wait. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so yes, I finally upgraded my main system. So it had been running for like four or five years. And it's really been doing a pretty good job overall. As far as photo editing goes, it was running great. 
But when it came down to editing video, especially after I got the hardware to do really high-end, high-quality video, it was like the old days on my old computer where everything took absolutely forever and you happened to reboot because there just was not enough processing power in order to effectively work with this large amount of data. And I said something to my husband. He goes, well, why don't you go ahead and update it? And that was all he had to say. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you probably already had it all in your cart and you were just hitting buy at that point, right? <laughs> for the most part, yeah. I was back and forth there for a little while between the 3800X and the 3900. And guess where I went? I hope, I'm hope i hoping yeah. you're going to say 3900X like I run. Yes, I yeah. did. I went 3900X. This thing, I finally got it today. So I've had the CPU arrived call almost a week ago. My GPU and RAM arrived Tuesday this week. My power supply arrived on Wednesday. So here it is Thursday, the day we're recording, and I was finally able to get everything into the system. Well, not only so we- that, but you got it all into the system literally like, 20 minutes before we started recording the show, you're like, hold on, I'm almost ready. I'm not ready yet. Like you were, you were destined to get this machine running before we did another hardware addicts, which I'm so proud of you for. Yes. Oh yes. I, the last two nights I literally woke up thinking about hardware. So, you know, I was dreaming about hardware and I'm like, that's it. It has to get done. I've got to make sure I make time to do this today. And I'm so glad I did. Nice. That's awesome. So I did take some video during the process of it, but I can see why they use wide shots most of the time. So I got a couple closer shots in. I will definitely be sharing the video of me seeding the CPU. Oh, yeah. That's that's the beautiful part. Mm-hmm. You know, getting that CPU in there and locking it in. Yeah, it's it's a yes. wonderful feeling. So you've got 12 <laughs> cores. Hey, it's a wonderful <laughs> feeling. And then I remember back when I did it, just when I got my 2700X and I was like, yeah, unless the manual tells you to turn the thing the opposite way for actually locking it down. And then I was like, yeah, that was a nightmare. I was like, why does it not work? Oh, I have to turn the other way. Why is the arrow wrong? <laughs> How can you mess up such a silly thing? <laughs> it's an amazing feeling if you get it right. All right, let's put it yeah, that it way. It probably yeah. would have been. <laughs> So you've got 12 cores, 24 processing threads. You've got a 4.6 gigahertz max boost, 70 megabytes of cache on this. It is, when we say beast, we mean like literally a beast. It is a beast. And even more so because I came from an i7-6700, not even the 6700K, the i7-6700. And what are your initial thoughts now? You've only been on it for, I don't know, 20 minutes. But what so, yeah, are some just before we started loading, I just finished reloading the operating system and got the base stuff installed that we needed. <laughs> so right now, it's absolutely fantastic. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine windows open. That's including the two applications we're recording in. And right now I'm using one. No, now zero. Zero percent of my CPU. Well, you know, maybe you should have gone with a Threadripper because zero percent is you're basically using almost all, your whole machine there. I mean, that's ridiculous. I know. That's, that's How excessive. in the heck is this supposed to handle anything? So I put this <laughs> CPU 
in an Asus Prime X570 Pro motherboard. So it's not the most fancy motherboard out there, but it definitely is a solid. No, you went with the 570. That's extremely solid because you have the 4.0 now as well. You've got the 4.0 technology in your PCI Express lane. So now if you pair that with the right NVMe drive, you're going to have an amazing speed experience. Which is the goal for being able to work with this really high-end video when you're running with massive amounts of data that you need to scrub through and edit the faster that transfer can happen between the two, the easy overall it's going to be. So yeah, I went with the third gen motherboard chips. Then I also, it's still the same case, the one that I put it in, what I replaced in February. So we're still in the Thermalite Core X71, which is a beast of a case. I now have, I went from 16 to 32 gigs of DDR4. 3600 ram nice very nice choice stoked about that and i upped my power supply so originally i had a 600 watt power supply it was 80 plus white so you know nothing special but it did the job it was running great but i want to eventually upgrade my graphics card and i knew that in order to upgrade my graphics card i was going to need to upgrade my power supply, and I was able to find a Fractal Design Ion Plus 860-watt platinum. Sing to me. Oh, I know. This thing (laughs) is... My favorite part about this power supply is the platinum, and that is less heat being generated by the power supply, more of that power actually going to running the components, because let's face it, the beast of the CPU I put in there is going to well then make up for the lack of heat coming from my power supply. It's true. <laughs> Even at seven nanometer, when you're in the 3900X range, you know, you're producing some heat off there, although not as much as you would in the equivalent Intel CPU, but uh, you're still generating some heat. But what I'm really happy yeah. to hear, what I love is that you're not bottlenecking your system. So many people will go out and bottleneck their system by getting the cheapest motherboard using prior generation motherboards, using the cheapest power supplies, the minimum amount of RAM that they can get away with. And and listen, if you're on a budget, I get it. Upgrade over time, totally do that. But in your case, you're looking for optimum performance and you're not bottlenecking your system. And I've talked about this before on Hardware Addicts. I stomp machines in benchmarks that should absolutely in gaming and things, especially since, you know, AMD is nowhere near NVIDIA when it yeah. comes to when you're talking a flagship level video card, even though I have the Radeon 7, you know, you're talking 2080 Ti's and things. They're they're faster. There's no doubt about it. But I stomp them in benchmarks on the forums because of the fact that my system is not bottlenecked, right? I put the premium parts all the way around that processor so that I'm really taking advantage of it. So your next big purchase, if you don't already have one, would be the NVMe 4.0, so that you can really take advantage of those extended bus lanes and the amount of uh, data that you can send through to that NVMe yeah, drive. Absolutely. Well, and, and one of the next things that I want to upgrade is my graphics card. So I'm still running the RX 580 that I upgraded to, what, about a year and a half ago. It's a great card, though. It is. It's still a solid card. It's a fantastic card. And the pieces that I've taken out of this machine they're not going to waste. 
I would like to get another case, use the parts that I pulled out of my machine to make a living room gaming system for the family. When I upgrade my GPU, the RX 580 will go back into that machine and then I will have more of an absolute processing beast so I can do whatever I want. And overall, this system should last me a good five years of being able to edit whatever in the heck I want to. Absolutely. It's an amazing machine you're building there. And I think you're you're doing everything right, including instead of selling your old components, you found an excuse to build yet another computer with the original components. <laughs> well, this absolutely. is exactly how a hardware addict would act. <laughs> it's actually it's also uh, perfect in the sense like it's it's giving me more incentive to I don't need to upgrade. I have a last gen AMD, but it's also kind of making me want to upgrade. Like you both have 3,900Xs and then I'm the, the lowly 2,700X person. You know, Ew. Like, no, I'm it's kidding. Not, That's an amazing <laughs> processor. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, still it's rock solid. Yeah, it's great. And I, I do love it. And in the render times on it were like my video rendering was shot up like, I don't know, 400% efficiency or whatever. Probably more than that, honestly. I don't know. But it was, it was a drastic difference. But it's not a 3,900X. So it only has 16 threads rather than 24 threads. So it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm jealous. You're, you're you lagging behind be. now. Although I feel like <laughs> hardware addicts may have made your addiction worse, Wendy, because ever since you've joined hardware addicts, I feel like you're getting hardware at an accelerated rate, kind of like my rate <laughs> of true. getting well, hardware. I think part of this is my husband listens to the show and it's easier for it. him to hear that there's really a reason for this stuff. So, and I'm not yeah. very happy that you're caught up with me in hardware. So I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I'm not this. fully caught up with you on hardware. Your GPU is is definitely... Well, the GPU, and, and I might add that I have 64 gigabytes of RAM, but that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The yeah. importance is that you're catching up. So I'm going to have to do something drastic here to uh, make sure <laughs> that I'm have, number one. He's going to have to contact AMD and say, make another, drive, another, another CPU just for me. <laughs> Exactly. Well, listen, Intel is going to be taking care of that because Intel has launched 17 new processors. And unfortunately, it happens the day of that we're recording this. And so we will cover this in depth in the next Hardware Addicts episode. But 17 new processors. But don't worry, Wendy, you don't have anything to uh, really be too concerned about based on what I'm seeing here because it's still yeah, based on 14 Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I, I think I made a pretty darn good choice. I think you did too. But I'm so happy that we get to talk about 17 new CPUs that are still nowhere near what they said they were going to make. Yay! That's going to be some (laughs) weird show notes, having 17. I'm going to have to break it down to, uh, I don't know, the the top, the median, and the lowest of the 17. Yeah, Yeah. I assume you're just going to break it down to like the simplistic model names that they all have. You know, they, they all, I assume that this new generation is completely reasonable in their model names and not. Oh yeah, it'll be like ten nine eighty six four K three two four eighty six KF. Some I totally right love the that sarcastic voice there, Michael. Thank you. This episode of Hardware Addicts in the entire Destination Linux network is now sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. You can get all of this plus their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. 
and you can use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. DigitalOcean also has over 2,000 cloud agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. Get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And we thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode. All right. So now let's get into our core story. We have, I I named this episode, by the way, and Wendy, you found this kind of humorous, an apple a day and you're broke. That's the name officially, the the code name for this episode. (laughs) The code name. But love it or hate it, Apple has stolen most of the tech headlines the past few weeks, and there is plenty of hardware here if you're an Apple fan to wet your palate. And even if you're not a fan of Apple's hardware, I think by the time we're done with this, you may be interested in at least one of the devices that are Not out likely. We'll see, though. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. So I carry an Apple iPhone, but I also, because of the work I'm in, have to have an Android. But the iPhone's what I use for my personal use. So I was really impressed with what Apple announced with their new second-generation iPhone SE because it's a great value. Yes, what? an Apple device is actually a great value. I think you... I think you said wrong. You, you must have yeah. said the word wrong. Value, or you meant overblown. Uh, nothing changed. Is that that's what you meant, right? No, like this time for reals. This time for reals. This time they actually for have reals. a device that has a really good hardware offering for an amazing price. In fact, the new second generation iPhone SE has a price of three hundred and ninety nine dollars. And listen, when you're in a generation. Oh of phones that are at the $1,000 level or exceeding the $1,000 level, $399 is quite a value for a device. But you must be like, well, it's probably all plastic and junky, kind of looking like the original iPhone SE. No, this is really good tech. So let me get into some of the specs here. You get an aluminum and glass device, so you're not getting the cheap plastic that you typically would see in a lot of these kind of budget Phones And I know $399 is a lot of money to many people out there, but in the new phone world, $399 for a new iPhone is quite a value and looking at I aluminum mean, and glass is pretty fantastic. Pretty right? good. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And also like even the, you know, couple generations ago, that's still a good price because they, they were sitting for years at like $700, $800. So even with now like the thousand to 1200 range, this is a, a decent, you know, I, it's something I never expected Apple to do. You know, Apple was the the for the forerunner into making the most expensive phones. Everybody pivoted to follow them, and then Apple's now it seems like they're just going psych. Look what we're doing, right? It, it's crazy, and you couldn't from a, from a business perspective, Apple could not have released a budget phone at a better time during these times where the economy, especially in the U.S., is shrinking heavily. People are not looking to spend ridiculous amounts of money on their phone. They want a good device. They want a good value. And Apple just happened to have been working on this at the perfect time, I would say. For that money. Yeah, finally, really. 
you actually get the latest and greatest A13 chip inside. That's the same chip Whoa. that's inside the iPhone 11 Pro. So the phone that's over a thousand dollars, you get the same chip with this budget phone, which that is the most insane thing I think I've seen yeah, any company. Typically, do. when you have one of the the other budget phones, then you're going down in the chip. You you know it's an older chip, or you're not in the Snapdragon realm. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about a chip, and and we may do this in a different episode, but the A13 chip is certainly one of the, or if not the fastest mobile CPU out there, period. So compared to the Snapdragon 865, which mad props to Android, 865 was the first time where Qualcomm has really been able to compete with Apple. Really, it's been no contest in prior generations. This is no slow chip at all. This is an amazing first-class CPU. You are going to get super snappy performance out of this. It's going to be handle, able to handle anything that you throw at it. But that's not all. You get a 4.7-inch diagonal widescreen LCD, multi-touch display, IPS technology. So you get that in-plane switching, 1334 by 750 at 326 PPI, 1401 contrast ratio, True tone display, wide color display, haptic touch, 625 nits, which is quite amazing. That's very, very bright. Fingerprint resistant. This is a smudge resistant coating on top of it. So you're not going to have all those smudges and fingerprints and things showing up on it. So again, everything's premium. I pay extra to get that put on my glasses. So I would totally be having that on a phone. Yeah, it's a fantastic feature, and you don't expect to see that necessarily on a budget device. You get three gigabytes of RAM, which, again, is up there with the premium devices. Wireless charging, where they really save the money here. You know, when we were talking about some of the more expensive devices, it was all about the cameras. And here, they didn't put the fancy cameras in that you're going to get on that iPhone 11 Pro. You still get the 4K video recording at 24 frames per second, 30 frames or 60 frames per second. You get 1080p HD video recording, and you get a bunch of options with your storage, 64, 128, and 256. But the camera is nowhere near as fancy as what you get with the iPhone 11 Pro. You don't get all of those special sensors and things that they have in the multiple cameras. It's pretty much the iPhone 8, as I understand, camera system put into this phone so everything else though is super premium i mean the iphone 8 was also a pretty solid camera anyway so like having that doesn't if it's in a budget phone that's still like the i think the three gigs ram is actually kind of low end from for in for my testing of different phones like one plus you can get like 12 gigs of ram and it's just crazy and that's like their average but like uh it's still a reasonably good amount and also the price is very good for all this stuff. So I'm shocked completely that this is an Apple device. So uh, we, we all are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do want to say one thing. I am really happy to see that the size of the phone is not excessive phablet size. I hate phablet size phones. Really? Because you're a giant, dude. I would expect you to be like, <laughs> no, it needs to be no less than... I don't know, 14-inch phone for me to be able to use it. They make those giant phones for me. Yeah. <laughs> I am I, a lover of the giant me phone. Me too, yeah. I, I don't like them at all because <laughs> I, I can stretch across the, disc- the screens even with like the six-inch six phones or whatever, but I don't want to. I don't. I want it to be 
you know, an easy process of using the phone? Why do I have to stretch all the way across just to get the thing when there's no real big value in having an extra inch of the phone? So like, me and like Wendy are short. Syndrome. Does that mean we have like Napoleon syndrome that the tallest person on the show, which is absolutely <laughs> Michael, wants a small phone and the two shortest people on the show want the biggest phone possible? It's like Napoleon syndrome Could for me. devices. I don't know. I Now that I think about it, it's kind of weird, but I, I've always liked like the, I think the five inch is like the sweet spot for me. Yeah, five inch is pretty nice. It's easy to use, but you still have enough screen real estate to see stuff. And that's one of the things that I like the bigger phones for is being able to see and read. And it comes back to being a migraine sufferer and being able to not have as much eye strain in reading those devices because the text is larger. Right. And make it larger. I think it might be on partially on principle of how like ridiculously stupid the idea that a phone that is 6.9 inches is a phone. And then in order to be a tablet, it's one like a point one more inch, so it's seven inches versus six point nine. It's like, well, it's not a it's not a tablet yet. It's a I'd be totally cool with phone. a tablet that can make calls because I use my Bluetooth headset most of the time with my phone anyway. So well, that's kind of like the new Microsoft Duo, right? Where they're basically using it. They're not calling it a phone. They're calling it kind of a tablet, but it also has phone capabilities. And I think most people will try to use it as a phone. Well, take a tablet. SIM card. You know, I don't know about the new duo that that may be. I know it got delayed because of everything with COVID, but it's probably a very exciting device that we'll cover in depth when it comes out. But some of the other things, you know, the, the problem with Apple, one of the biggest issues, and we'll get into kind of what they would need to do later on in some of their tablet arena of to make us want to buy one. One of the issues with the phones is you get an option of 64, 128 or 256 gigabytes of storage. Now, if you go and get an S20 Plus, you can go get the 64 gigabyte or whatever their least amount of storage is and just add an SD card in there, micro SD card, and you're ready to go. But in iPhones, you can't. There is no micro SD storage. So whatever you buy is what you're stuck with unless you're using iCloud. And frankly, iCloud has not been the most secure option out there. A lot of hacks and things have happened to celebrities that are very popular out there in the news all occurred from iCloud. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. and might not necessarily be iCloud's fault. But at the end of the day, this is still a huge minus in the Apple arena for me is the storage. The fact that they will not bring the micro SD card back and allow you to expand its storage without paying insane amounts of money. And you're going to pay a premium for that increased storage. You pay a ridiculous amount of money naturally yeah. as you go up from that. So it's a really impressive starting point. Now, iCloud storage is super cheap, so if you're somebody who uses that, you could probably get away with the 64 gigabytes, but it is a huge negative in Apple's arena still for the fact that you can't use a micro SD. Now, they did bring back the Touch ID fingerprint reader, so this is where you actually have the physical button on the bottom, the circular button that many people who've used Apple devices are familiar with that I miss tremendously, like Face ID and all that stuff is great. It works really well. But I loved having the physical button at the bottom. Now, some people were like, I'd rather have more screen real estate. I get it. So I guess it's just personal preference there. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the physical buttons. It's more places for dust to get into, and especially for my husband, who's a welder and a mechanic. Any of that is more places for dirt and grime and grease and whatever to get into and just cause problems faster. 
Now, most of my mechanic friends actually prefer iPhones because of the all-glass body. It's much easier to wipe off grease and things than what you find in a lot of the premium plastic, let's call it, Android devices and things out there uh, that exist, even in the more expensive market uh, for the phones where they use, you know, higher-end plastics and things where it's much more difficult to get grease out. So is your phone, is your husband a iPhone or Android fan? He is an Android user, and his phone currently is glass and aluminum, and he doesn't go anywhere without a heavy-duty case. The man has dropped a phone through a truck engine. I love it. It has to have a case, <laughs> and it has to have a glass screen protector. <laughs> Once we have uh, hardware manufacturers start sending us products to test, I think we're going to have them send them to you, and your husband can drop them in engines, and we can see really, because that kind of <laughs> takes the whole will it blend thing to a whole new level. Yeah, if you want to know how well something will last, then we give it to my husband and be in the work environment that he's in, and we'll see. There you go. Apple, Samsung, HTC. You want to send us some devices. Wendy's husband will put them through the test. We'll see if you really (laughs) make a rugged device or not. Absolutely. Now you get a beautiful battery on here that has 13 hours of video on a single charge, which is insane, especially when you're looking at some of the more premium devices that have come out, you know, claiming, hey, you can do six hours of normal usage throughout the day. This is 13 hours of video on a single charge here. And of course, Apple has really done an amazing job with the efficiency of their CPUs in the seven nanometer form factor. So that's to be kind of expected here. But what's the point of having a phone that you can't use all day that has to be plugged into the wall all the time? Exactly. I agree with you 100%. Now, I do want to take a moment, even though this is more software based, to talk about because Apple goes out there and they make the claim that they are more privacy focused than your Android. Now, personally, I've worked in telecom for 20 years, and I buy into some of the hype with Apple. I've seen things behind the scenes in telecom that make me truly believe Apple is certainly more privacy-focused than Android. I think this is shouldn't be surprising to most people, although it seems to get a lot of people really upset when I say it. They're like, no, it's not possible because Android's based on form of Linux and everything. But once you add Google into the story, that throws everything out the window. And Google makes most of its money, this isn't a surprise, from advertising, from selling your personal data. That's its business model. Like 70% plus of its profits come from that, not selling hardware, whereas Apple likes to really take advantage of you on the hardware side, except for this phone. And so they're selling you hardware. So they're not making their money off of your data. There are a couple things in here that I think are really interesting. Number one, this is based on Apple's own admission here. So take it for what you will, but fingerprints are stored on the device. They're never sent out to their own servers. iMessage, which this isn't debatable. Everybody agrees. iMessage is a superior messaging platform because it's been encrypted end to end forever. And we know that Google changes its messaging platform. I don't know what every three weeks it has a new one and they rarely ever have any encryption. And if they do, it's not really end to end. And if they finally do have an end to end one, they kill it and come out with a new one. That's not, I mean, what is there like seven different messaging platforms on Google now? It's pretty insane. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And yes, all of that's true. (laughs) Or more. Yeah. Now this end to end encryption even includes FaceTime. So this is something that's been in a lot of, in the news lately with things like Zoom and others, but FaceTime has a end-to-end encryption with it as well. 
Of course, you need to keep stuff off of iCloud, actually spend more money on the bigger storage, uh, which is a pain in the butt. And they do charge, as Wendy said, an excess for the additional storage. Definitely a way to rip you off. One of the things I dislike immensely about Apple, but I will not use their iCloud platform. Interesting. The, the point when you said about the, uh, you know, you, you do pay for the extra s- storage. I was curious because when that com- when we had just had that conversation about the storage, I looked up my phone. I was like, because I, I was thinking there's no way I'm going to use that much storage. I mean, like, it's just a phone. I don't put that much stuff on there. There can't be. Oh, OK, 85 percent full. OK, oops. Yeah, it's and you have an Android device, so you actually have the ability to put a micro SD card in there and expand it. Whereas if you had an Apple device, your choices are buy a different phone or use iCloud. Yeah, that's true. But I, I just meant in the sense that I wasn't even aware. Like I always thought that I had plenty of room, and then I just realized that that is not the case, and I just didn't even think about it. So for the 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 spec the the aspect where you can't even expand it at all, like that is very that's a very big deal breaker. I don't know if it is a complete deal breaker because that price is pretty good for the overall thing, but it, it it's it's very problematic. It is indeed. One of the other privacy things that Apple does is their maps. Now we all have heard the stories in the news. It won't take much more than a simple search on the internet to see <laughs> all of the Google data that is captured on your locations. Even when you turn off the tracking capabilities, Google's still tracking you in your locations Apple Maps personalizes your data on your device itself. Location data is randomized with identifiers. It's completely so they can't build a profile on you. It's end-to-end encrypted between devices. So that, to me, is pretty amazing feature as well from a privacy standpoint on Apple. One of the reasons why, if I'm going to use, being in telecom 20 years, a device, a cell phone device, a mainstream one, it's going to be Apple all the way. They also never send your credit card number with Apple Pay. So if you store credit card numbers on your Apple device, then they are not sending your actual credit card number when you're using Apple Pay and things to the machines that are registering payment. So if you're going to your local store, you're buying some hardware, you use your Apple Pay off of your phone, it's never transmitting your full credit card number, even if you're not using an Apple credit card, which let's be honest, that's ridiculous to buy one of those or get one of those. But if you're using, even if you store your Discover or other cards on there, it's not going to transmit the actual card number, which I think is a huge security element in Apple's favor. That is very, very interesting. I I have seen that there's there's some services where they do, uh, they give you like some kind of a shield of your credit card number so you can use something else rather than your actual number. And I really like the idea of that. PayPal even used to do that a long time ago, but then they, for some reason, dropped doing that, which was very annoying. But this is really cool that you know, Apple offers that. I had no idea that that was how it worked because you, you're describing it in the sense that it is, it is itself a shield just by using that piece. And I wouldn't even thought that they would even offer that in the first place because, like, why would that be a thing that they'd offer? And I think that's really, really cool. However, you said, why would anyone get an Apple credit card? I mean, dude, they're metal. That's true. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and definitely if you're trying to show off to somebody at Starbucks while you're writing your novel, having an Apple <laughs> right. credit card definitely helps. But outside <laughs> of that, outside of that world, you probably don't need yeah, you, you have to have a metal Apple card to buy your half-calf cappuccino. <laughs> so you don't get Why the... would you go half-calf? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Did you see no. that in like a YouTube video no. and you just yeah, repeat it? Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just like so a... you're down you know, with hip... the hipsters? 
not down with them, but just it was just I don't know why where it came from. It was more like a joke of like you know it's a it's a it's a half, it's a frappuccino. I need a oh also I need I need light whip like that's a thing <laughs> like what? Wendy, are you a Starbucks person? You strike me as a Starbucks person. I am a coffee person. I am a lover of coffee. I'm a lover of espresso. And right, you're I a geek frequent, <laughs> I frequent a couple of the local local owned coffee shops. They know me. It's not one or two shots of espresso. It's six. Whoa, what the what? What? That's crazy. It's delicious. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All right. I I don't know how we got off into a random tangent of of coffee, but uh, just real quick. I also am a coffee person, and I don't care about the lattes and stuff, but, you know, that I I don't think I could take six. No, shots. no normal human could. That's insane. I love coffee. I even have a commercial coffee maker in my home, but I do not. I could not take six shots of espresso. That would murder most. I don't know beasts. That's insane. Sometimes, if it's somebody that you know hasn't seen me before, and I say, "Hey, can I have?" a 24 ounce brevet with six shots they go really you want six i say yes i want six my (laughs) goodness i will never challenge you again so going back to (laughs) iphone you don't get the fancy camera you have a thicker bezel you have a lot of the iphone 8 like components and body parts but the price come on the price is the sweetest part of this device and you can get a red version of the phone, which normally is to help with AIDS. If you get the the red version, they donate part of the profits there. But now the red version, actually the proceeds go to COVID relief, which is incredible. So there's a lot of reasons why if you've been on the fence, you've been on the Google information zapping platform of Android, and you've kind of thought, well, I wonder if the grass is greener over an Apple this second generation SE might be the thing to tip you over the edge. The way you presented it, it's kind of like you're saying, "Come to the dark side." <laughs> exactly. Like I don't. What use- I like to see is that they're actually offering a budget, more budget friendly phone, something more yeah. in the mid range. I like the fact that they're doing that. I I would never consider Apple phone for the idea that it's twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred dollars is insane. Four hundred dollars that is totally reasonable. And might get me to consider it. Well, they've got everybody abuzz with this phone. I think they are certainly more people are going to consider going to Apple than ever before. And this could not have happened at a better time for Apple in a time where people are going to be more frugal with their money. They're not going to be interested in going out there and buying the thousand dollar devices. Frankly, I struggle with that. I make a very good living, but I just don't want to spend a thousand plus dollars on a device. It just seems like a waste. I don't use my phone that often. I have laptops practically in every room or a computer in every room of my home. So when I'm using my phone, it's for business. It's to maybe watch a short YouTube video or things, but a thousand plus dollars, it just, I can't. I can't get that settled in my mind. So I think that they are definitely mm-hmm. attacking the market in the right place here. That yeah, that, awesome. that's, that is definitely good. And the only thing that's missing is they don't have a rose, rose gold version. And that's disappointing. That's true. Yeah. But you could help out charity <laughs> and have a heart, Michael, and go with the red. Well, that's also good, except I don't want a red phone. 
and I'll just give them the I'll give the Oh, you don't want people to know that you donate to charity. That's so noble of you. (laughs) No, no, no. I I don't I don't need them to know. I'm just doing it anyway. It doesn't matter if people know about it. I don't need to promote my my uh, philanthropic aspects. Yeah, that's what you're known for. Yep. (laughs) All right. So quickly, we're going to touch on the Apple iPad because there's a new iPad that also released. It comes with an iPad Pro here. To be exact, you get a liquid retina display, which basically just means higher pixel density at 120 hertz and 600 nit, a 10 Mm -hmm. megapixel ultra wide and 12 megapixel wide camera. So similar to what you're getting on the iPhone 11 there, custom designed LiDAR scanner using direct time of flight to measure reflected light from up to five meters away which helps with advanced augmented reality applications. So they're going big into the augmented reality world with apps that can take advantage of this LiDAR scanner, which is pretty cool. You get the A12Z Bionic chip with an 8-core GPU inside, which they claim is capable of 4K video editing on an iPad, 4K video editing. Let that sink in for a minute. You can do 4K video editing on an iPad. Anybody getting that? Yeah, I get. I understand the idea of it because technology is amazing. It constantly gets better and more powerful, and all. That. Why would anyone want to edit video on the tablet? Oh, we'll get I, there, Michael, because this okay. tablet floats. But we're. Not, I'm not even going to talk about that yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm still going. Sorry. You get. You get AR and more that can happen on this Bionic chip. So you know you get your augmented reality, cool. but you get your 3D designing that you can do on this device. All kinds of things. However, actually, the 3D design, I can see that one though. Cause you could do the, you could have it like 3D design where you can use like a pen, like a touch pen kind of thing. That, that, I can see yeah. that. One. I know this is another, yet yeah, another Apple CPU to memorize, but it's the A12Z. And Apple is out there Got claiming it. that it can beat most Windows laptops, that's faster than most Windows laptops. Now, I have no idea what laptops they're talking about at all. None. But they're saying probably it. they're saying most because they're just like they're looking at how many exist and like, OK, how many Windows machines exist in the entire existence of Windows and say most of those. Exactly. I mean, there's so yeah. there's so much you could do here, right? You could look at all of the knockoff kind of crap brands out there of companies you never heard of that make random Windows machines and be like, yeah, it's definitely faster than those. But I I struggle with this idea because, you know. Apple comparing itself to Windows is kind of a farce. Windows, you can install on thousands and tens of thousands of different configurations of machines, whereas Apple, it only installs on, unless you're doing a Hackintosh, but officially only installs on its own hardware. So uh, I kind of call nonsense on that. But the whole difference between the A12Z and the A12X of your prior generation iPad Pro, hold on to your seats, you get one whole GPU core more than the A12X. That's so, it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What do you mean like, that's that, it? It's a whole core. One that changes core. everything. And by On everything, my CPU, I, mean one core. I went from four cores, eight threads to 12 cores, 24 threads. Now that is a jump. One. No. Well, come on. Look at that privilege you have there. Listen, the, the one more <laughs> GPU core is in, incredible. Now, this has nothing to do with the fact that as you make more A12Xs, your manufacturing process is going to improve and you're going to have better yields. And therefore, you could probably turn on that additional GPU core that you had turned off in the A12X because your manufacturing wasn't core. as good. 
So, but never mind that, Wendy. This is a whole GPU core, a whole one. It's Does it whole work core. 25% better or two? Like two. But you also get the next gen neural engine built for advanced machine learning and everything from photography to augmented reality in here as well, which this actually is really impressive. Five trillion operations per second it's capable of handling, which is pretty amazing. That is amazing for a tablet. Still don't know why anybody would want that. One GPU right. core more, Michael. Hello. Have you not been yes. listening to the whole show? I, I have been listening. It's just, it's still a tablet. It's off. It's also, it's not that much in general, right? But like, it's still a tablet and it's like, I'm not going to do production on a tablet. Well, here's where you're wrong. I'm, first of all, I'm just disappointed that all of, none of you have screamed, take my money yet because we play this game sometimes. I expected you when I got to the additional GPU core for you also be screaming, take my money. I'm really disappointed in this crew today, but I'll tell you what, what if I told you? And this is not a magical Disney World movie or anything. What if I told you this thing floats? Oh, done. Take no, no. Good. What? <laughs> okay. Well, so it's not- it floats on its own, and you can run your hand underneath it without touching anything. And well, no, that's ridiculous, nothing. Wendy. You have to spend more money. <laughs> you just have to spend a little bit more money yeah, the, the, to get the magic. You have to get more. You spend more money to get the magic. Exactly. All righty then. So it comes with a new magic keyboard. And it makes it float, kind of. It features a full-size keyboard, so you're not getting a mini keyboard or anything else. Full-size is good. A trackpad, USB-C. Hello, Mm -hmm. no lightning cable here. USB-C for pass-through charging. That's good. You get front and back protection, so if you drop your very expensive $1,000 iPad. What? Well, $799 iPad. But if you're including the keyboard, it's an additional $299, so... Yeah, you're going to be over a thousand bucks for this thing, but it floats. (laughs) That's not enough. So it features magnetic design that allows you to attach the iPad Pro and smoothly adjust it to the perfect viewing angle for you. And it's actually really nice looking. Look, no, all joking aside, for a tablet stand case cover hybrid thingy, it looks really nice. It does. Yeah. I do have to give them that. It, it's very pretty. Now, $299, that's one heck of a markup. This is your typical Apple territory here. I think still, though, the wheels for their new Apple, what is it, their Pro desktop machine are still more expensive. I think the wheels just for the machine are like $499. So when you, if you're in yeah. the Apple ecosystem, $299 for an actual keyboard magnetic floating iPad holder is actually a pretty good deal considering they charge like $399 for wheels for a laptop case. So there's that. I like how you say it. It's, it's, it's a pretty good deal when you compare it to the other terrible deals that Apple has. Exactly. Yeah, this is my overall <laughs> biggest issue with Apple. There, there's the right to repair issue and you know a history of overcharging for repairs. But then this is another one where I have a really, really hard time being anywhere near the Apple bandwagon. And it is the cost, the absorbent amount of cost. And it's not just on their tablets. Because this one, it looks like it's trying to be a laptop replacement. And I guess for some people, they might enjoy that. Is that in my wheelhouse? No, I love my desktop, right? And so I will use some mobile devices for certain things. But if I have real work to do, I want a big screen. I want my mechanical keyboard. I want my big system. 
And listen, for the amount of money, thousand plus dollars for this, you could get one heck of a Windows laptop for this kind of money. Absolutely. So it does certainly make you go, hmm. And the it other problem no the other problem is you can't really put this on your lap. I mean, you can. Some YouTubers have kind of put it on their lap and said, well, technically you can, but it's so top heavy as you can imagine, because you have very powerful magnets holding an mm-hmm. iPad to a very light keyboard at the bottom, so it's top heavy. So any wrong movement, it kind of topples over on itself. And, well, it's really not a laptop. It's more like a portable desktop thingy. Does the does the stand, like, fold or anything for portability or, like, travel or something? Yes, absolutely. You, you can fold it for portability. You can also kind okay. of – I've seen people actually move it upside down, which I don't know if that was the original intention, but that allows it to kind of be at an angle where you could draw on it. And there's a lot of issues, though, here. For instance, while it has a trackpad, it doesn't work like your typical trackpad where you move your finger across it and you've got a little arrow that you would go and select things. It tries to be intuitive and change the cursor depending on the application that you're in. Because remember, iOS was really never meant to have a keyboard and mouse interaction with it. So things work decently and it's better than their prior iterations but not quite like a laptop would and i've seen some really funky videos of it um, you know going to places where it's not supposed to and not exactly being ultra intuitive there but this is apple's big plan right they basically have said laptops are dead even though they keep releasing their overpriced laptops with no ports and that tablets are the future. They even have the commercial chorus where the kid turns around to the mom's like, what's a computer or PC or something stupid like that. He says, what's a computer? And this is obviously every kid, everybody knows what a computer is. Even like it's ridiculous for that commercial to even be made in the first place. But like, it doesn't even seem like it's doing anything other than trying to make a, like an iMac out of a tablet. Like that's all it seems like what it is. And why is that better than a, just get a laptop. Listen, I don't yeah. believe in spanking kids or anything else, but if my kid turned around to me and said, what's a computer, I'd smack him. I mean, this is going <laughs> way overboard well, here. I'd like to hear from somebody who regularly edits 4K video, how they would, how they enjoy editing on something like this. Because I know I wouldn't enjoy editing photos like that. I mean, there's a difference yeah. between can you and do you want to, right? Like you might be able to edit 4K on it, but is it really a great experience? Especially when you consider the weight. This thing is heavier than the MacBook Air. It is 2.95 pounds. So, I mean, it's a pretty heavy little device when you combine it with the keyboard here. I don't know if that's really what we're talking about. It's like, hey, we're going to replace laptops by creating a tablet with a keyboard and a trackpad and well yeah. a laptop. So how much of that weight is the tablet? Is it because of the heavier cooling that they're having to do it? Is that part of the reason that it's so much heavier or is the most of that weight in the tablet or in the keyboard? I think when you're trying to you put everything inside that tablet and then you're trying to put everything else inside of what remains, you've got to have a base. You have to have a stiff you know, frame for yeah. the actual holder and things. By the time you're done, you actually have a way less efficient way of creating a laptop, which ultimately is what they're trying to do here. Now, you can the cool thing is you can pull that 
tablet off and you don't have to have the keyboard with it. And when you look at repairability, which you mentioned, and I absolutely love that point, repairability on Apple is typically horrific. It's not good at all. So when you think about shattering the glass that your phone is wrapped in or anything else, it is extraordinarily expensive to replace. Or you have a wife like mine who goes around and tells people, well, my husband can fix it. And then it's really cheap, <laughs> but it's still very frustrating for me uh, to deal with those because there's lots of glue, lots of heat guns needed and things to be able to loosen that. And it's just Time a pain consuming. in the butt. There are many rumors out there that Android tablets are dead. And if you think about it, Samsung is the only one really keeping them alive out there. Of course, you could throw in, well, Amazon sells a ton of their tablets, but they're basically just super ultra cheap devices that steal your information. And that's why they sell them for so cheap. They're really not a comparison in this. So I think in a lot of ways glorified uh, Kindles anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really kind of junk, but I mean, they're great for, you know, some of their e-readers and things are fine and there's some great value in them. But for the most part, they're making money off of selling you ads and other things on those devices. I think the only company out there that actually has something comparable and in my opinion, far superior to Apple iPads is the Microsoft Surface line. I don't know if either of you ever played with the Microsoft Surface. I haven't. I at one point had a NVIDIA Shield tablet, and I was sad to see those go because that was the absolute most amazing tablet I've ever used. A lot of people love the NVIDIA Shield. NVIDIA Shield mm-hmm. has a fan base a mile long. Many people wishing NVIDIA would come back out with a new version of that. Microsoft Surface is my app. It's the only tablet that I could actually for me, get my workflow done on and utilize. And if you get the pro line, you can install it with things like Linux and other operating systems, which is great. They also have things that the Apple iPad pros don't have. And let me go through a few uh, things like ports. Imagine Those that. Are important. What? Yeah. Ports? Yeah, ports. No. Yeah. <laughs> Those things where you can actually add extra components and things onto. Uh, this other thing's going to sound really uh, interesting to you all. Expandable storage. You can also no. do on a Microsoft service. Yes. No way. I know. It's crazy. I, I, what if I told you that the Surface actually had a built-in adjustable stand? You know, where, That makes oh, sense. Not yeah. having That'd to pay crazy. $200 for one. A magnetic keyboard, and with the keyboard and the Surface combined, only 2.4 pounds versus 2.95, so even lighter. A little bit less, yeah. yeah. That, that just doesn't, this doesn't seem possible. Instead of that one GPU on the ARM form factor, what if I told you the Surface could actually go from an Intel Core i3 all the way to a Core i7 in it? That's nice. Yeah, so you could really okay, do 4K editing. Cool. And yeah, that, that is pretty cool, although still 4K tablet, meh. Yeah, and, and they start at $749 versus the, you know. So you're $749 for an i3, I'm guessing, if that's where it's starting. Yeah, starting at that. It's a lot harder to get work done on an i3. If you're getting real work done, you're going to want an i7. And what is that running you? You're probably getting close to that $1,000 mark again, but you have a built-in stand. You can expand it. The repairability on the the surface line is well known to be fantastic in comparison with any other tablet out there. They're actually extremely easy to repair and get into. That's awesome. And so for me in this, you know, I love my Apple iPhone, but I 
my wife loves the iPad just because she likes having all of her closed garden form factor in one. But for me, it's all about the surface here. I think it takes the cake. The surface looks pretty cool. And I also like the fact that they have all that stuff combined and, and you actually have a real, you know, a full fledged type of uh, CPU to use. So you could actually install all kinds of stuff with it because, you know, having Intel Core i3 or, you know, Core i5 or Core i7, you're going to get compatibility with x86 stuff, which is fantastic. So you can do all kinds of things with it. But in terms of production wise, you know, it's still a tablet and I'm not going to edit yeah. 4K video on a tablet. Like it's not, not with it's that not attitude. About, it's not even about <laughs> the the uh, the power. It's about the screen size. It's still ridiculously yeah. small and 4K on that tiny thing. Why? I would slightly kind of sort of casually whisper on take my money on the the phone, but on the iPad in that way. All right. Interesting. Well, the phone is interesting that that's what caught your attention because I know both of you are not really Apple fans. I'm probably the biggest Apple fan, if you would call that, out of this group here. Well, I, I, okay. To be clear to everyone listening, I hate them both equally. <laughs> that's kind. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk real quick. What would you want to see in an Apple iPad? Now they're trying to push this. Hey, we have a laptop replacement. What are the things that Wendy would have to have before you would say, all right, you know what? I'm going to give an Apple iPad a try. Well, to be honest or to be fair, we actually have a smaller one. And that's because at the time, it's the only thing that could run the Osmo learning games. So we have one for that. And the kids actually do quite a bit of reading on it but it's nowhere near a laptop replacement. In order to make it like a device that I would want to use every day, for one, I'd need to know that it can be fixed without having to just buy a new one. And storage. I want to be able to expand the storage so no matter how much music or books or whatever we've got on there, I'm not worried about running out of space. Michael, what would you have to have for you? Like, listen, I'm going to do it. I'm going to Apple, everyone, for an iPad at least. Okay, so in order for me to want to have something from Apple that's a laptop replacement of sorts, it would have to, without a doubt, come with a laptop. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love it. So for me, Wendy, absolutely repairability, expandable storage, and ports. We got to have ports. I mean, ports. I love the laptop. Just I saying. love putting a micro SD card in my laptop and being able to get the photos off without any struggle. You know, I want a laptop at the end of the day. I like the idea of a laptop where I can pull off the screen if I don't know. I want to play a little game or just want to watch some YouTube videos. But they yeah. have those out there in the market already, and they're not called iPads. So I think you do a transformer style with an iPad that like it's, it's, (laughs) it's a regular, it's a regular screen and then you take it off and it's an iPad. Then I would care, but I still want it to be a laptop. Like I want all the power a laptop offers and all the convenience and all the ports and all the expandability and all that, all the stuff that's makes something a laptop, but having the ability to take the screen off and do a tablet, that'd be really cool too. But there's no way that I'm going to ever want a tablet over a laptop or a desktop to do anything that matters, like maybe watch some YouTube videos or whatever. But even then, why would I bother anyway? Like 
it's, it's kind of one of the things people like watching movies on their phones. Like that's just such a waste of a movie. Right. Well, wait till you oh. have kids and they're like, dad, what's a computer? And then you're like, smack. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the cool things that you can do with a phone or a tablet, especially if I've got my camera mounted really high and it's in a top down configuration, so I can't see the back. I can use an app with a phone or a tablet and be able to see on that device what my camera sees and make sure that I've got everything laid out the what I want it to and get the picture taken from there. Yeah, there is some advantages here. There are some cool things with the great camera and stuff. And certainly Apple is pretty much beside Microsoft, the really the only champion of tablets out right now because Samsung has some offerings, but let's be honest, they're pretty weak in comparison to this. Uh, when you look at the specs and things that they're offering. But, you know, I think the Surface line continues to be fantastic. And Microsoft taking control of the production of their hardware has shown that Microsoft's actually able to create, in my opinion, better hardware, uh, at least recently, than compared to most Apple devices. So iPhone win for the SE, second gen. Incredible value, impressive. The iPad, floating iPad, and now yeah the floating ipad uh is ridiculous nonsense the iphone i think is a win because as someone who hates apple the fact that they're even making me consider it is a win <laughs> on their side there you go and like with the terms of the but in terms of the ipad i mean your points about the surface line and all that stuff like as someone who hates microsoft i actually am interested in trying out the surface so I guess that's a win for Microsoft, too. All right, let's get into the section everybody's been waiting for, Camera Corner. Wendy, what do you have for us this week? Well, I really wanted to start diving into how the camera sensors work because we've got everything from these really small ones in your cell phone to massive ones on medium format, which I don't know why they're called medium format because, you know, they're huge, to these medium format cameras. So in order to start that process and really diving in, the first thing we're going to cover in that is how the sensors gather light. And our digital sensors, sensors that we use now, are really close in some of the way to how film worked. It's an analog version of what we've got now. So when your film was exposed to light, you would end up with these free silver atoms And the amount of these free silver atoms on the film would record how much light it was exposed to. And then through the process of taking your film into the dark room, some of you might remember that if you're old enough, some of you may not. But the dark room was an absolute fun experience where you get to process the film, amplify those areas which were exposed to light, form a negative, and then eventually create a picture. So did you actually use a dark room? When I see this in a movie, I don't know. Even though I've never actually used one, we didn't have them in school that I remember, these cool chemical reactions to develop film. I see them in movies. Our high school did. Our high school had a dark room. So we had one... I think we were about the last class that had film cameras. I think after that, they switched over to digital. But it was really neat to go through the process of turning this film that you shot into a negative and then exposing the photo paper. 
So clearly, that's, you're that's much cool. much older than me because you had you were the last class that had this, and we well, didn't. no, no, no. My my class had a had the dark room as well. I mean, I spent time all kinds of time in it. Wait, no, that was a detention. <laughs> so well, you started with there. <laughs> started with a D. That's that's it. Messed me up. Sorry. You saved me, Michael. You dug me out of the hole there. But out of curiosity, is there any, I think people still utilize the dark rooms and the chemicals to develop film yeah. today. There's, it's kind of like an art style, even though maybe it's not necessary. Is that something you've ever did, thought of playing with now, even though it's kind of an older technology? If I had the space to be able to do it, yes, I would absolutely love to do that again. And some of that was the creative ways. And after you've exposed the film, getting to do double exposures or the length of time that you chose to expose your negative to the photo paper, there's just an entire other realm that goes along with that craft that's a whole lot of fun and gets to get your creativity really rolling. I love it. As for the modern sensors, they are a CMOS sensor, which stands for Complementary Metal Oxide Semiconductor. Oh my goodness, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that makes sense why people just say CMOS. <laughs> yeah, CMOS is just so much easier to get out. But essentially, it is two layers of silicone. Technically, it's one, but one of the layers has phosphorus and the other layer has boron and between those two different layers you get a pnn junction diode which essentially comes down to being able to conduct current in only one direction so when your light hits that sensor you have these particles of the light that hit it and they will create electrons on that sensor or a current so then the shutter will close and it will measure those electrons or voltage that is produced as it was exposed to the light. It will take, and each, each pixel in the CMO sensor has its own capacitor, which that is what is storing the electrical charge after it's no longer being exposed. And then an amplifier, which sends, sends that signal to the processing bus and then saves it on your SD card, which anyone, is what most cameras are running. Anyone ever stopped and thought who was able to figure this stuff out? Like just hearing you talk about it in normal layman's terms, somebody sat there and figured out that this would work. And it's just amazing. Somebody that was extremely smart. Yeah, but to, I would like to, I like to think that just to make myself feel better, you know, feel good about myself, that they accidentally found all this really cool stuff. So, <laughs> yep. And then somebody kind of figured out words to put to it later to sound really smart, but it was just really like they were trying to make tape and then they figured out how to make all this happen. Then yeah, exactly. Bam, it's kind of, it's like, it would, I like to pretend it's where someone accidentally took chocolate and accidentally took peanut butter and put them together and Reese's cup comes out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I like it. <laughs> it really is amazing. And just thinking about the complexity of the equipment that we use today and what it's able to accomplish. And of course, you geeking out on it helps tremendously, Wendy, of how much you love the cameras and all of the things that go into film. 
It's just uh, an well, incredible thing. We haven't even got to color yet. That's only to get a black and white image. And isn't it crazy that the actual protons coming from the sun are exposed to make a voltage on your sensor, which is converted into a picture? Well, I think when people yep. snap your picture now, for sure, it steals your soul. Yep, Absolutely. confirmed. <laughs> So this was kind of the first step in in talking about sensors and how they work. The overall deeper dive is when we're going to get into how you get the color to those images and exactly what a pixel is. And in determining what a pixel is and how they work and the components that go into them will help you understand why one megapixels isn't everything and two why there's such a variety in quality when it comes to camera sensors. Absolutely love it. Thank you, Wendy, for filling our brains once again. So next week we get to learn about the color part. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it. Our ninth episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. If you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all of the great content on Destination Linux Network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all of the amazing podcasts and YouTube partners available there. There is so much information to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware or too much power supply. Build, learn, innovate, and grow. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week where we gather more light with our floating tablets on another episode of Hardware Addicts. <laughs> wow, that was well done, Michael. Nice. That was solid.